welcome to SCI Perspective, a podcast brought to you by the American Spinal Injury Association. In this podcast, we'll be discussing emerging literature spanning the full spectrum of SCI research from discovery to clinical application. You're listening to a Community Perspectives episode with Dr. Molina Longani and Nishu Tiagi. I'm one of your hosts, Marla Petrillo. And I'm your other host, David McMillan. Today, we will be discussing a paper titled COVID-19 and Spinal Cord Injury and Disease, Results of an International Survey, published in 2021 in the journal Spinal Cord Series and Cases. Note that this paper is a follow-up to an inaugural survey about how SCI professionals have responded to COVID-19 that was published in the same journal in 2020. This paper was recommended to us, the podcast, by Asia's Americas Committee. Our guests today are Melina and Nishu. Dr. Longoni is a physician specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation, bariatric medicine, wound care, and an expert in natural therapies. She currently serves as medical director of Del Rey Rehabilitation Center in Argentina, scientific director to Braun Medical Argentina, PM&R chief at UNER Clinic in Spain, and president of AMLAR Res, the Latin American Rehabilitation Association for Residents. Nishu Chiagi is an occupational therapist and telerehabilitation specialist who currently serves as a consultant for the Directorate General of Health Services, Ministry of Health and Family Welfare, and Spinal Cord Society in the National Injury Prevention Program. She is also known for her extensive work in introducing the concept of telerehabilitation as community outreach and post-discharge service model in India. Welcome, Meli and Nishu. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you very much for this kind of invitation. All right. So we'll jump right into the questions here. Many people I've spoken to with spinal cord injury seem to appreciate the barriers that are overcome by telehealth and telerehabilitation. But what has this transition been like for the care providers? If we uh, talk about barriers, there are a lot of barriers which comes to spinal cord injury individuals. And, uh, transportation is the major issue that uh, faced by the SEI individuals during this pandemic because they were not able to receive the usual level of care and uh, they they had to travel along distances. And uh, just because of COVID, the government, I think of respective country announced that we have to practice proper hygiene and the, we have to maintain the proper social distancing. So that was a one factor which, which is a barrier uh, comes to the spinal cord injury individuals. And even they cannot use uh, the proper equipments, the fear or anxiety they faced, that is a terms of psychological barrier because they, they are not able to communicate properly with their caregivers because caregiver is still they are attached to the individual but when it comes to the life and death situation every person cannot help each other because that was a time that everybody was you know having a distance with each other so that was a barrier which was faced by ICI individual so I think we have seen a you know very uh, 
difficult time. I still remember that uh, what what patients used to think, whether it is related to caregiver. I still remember a case when a patient said that I received, I want to have a bladder care related to CIC. It's a very high spinal cervical spinal cord injured, and I used to follow up that individual via phone. And when we, uh, you know, do a proper chatting with the caregiver the caregiver is like i would like to do the cic for my patient but still i have a fear uh, it is not related to that i don't want to do but whether i am just afraid whether my patient will get any sort of infection from my end and in terms of hand hygiene they cannot go for the regular hand washing so these are the certain kind of barriers that the people were facing and even every time they have to wash the wheelchair with, which was again a very much big issue so they would like to ask us that madam there are any certain guidelines available that related to that when we need to wash the wheelchair when we do when we have to take a proper bath whether in a day or maybe in a three days in a week or the four days in a week so these are the certain kind of barriers that we faced in SCI individual. Then it is related to buying the medicines or some important basic essentials they were not getting at a time. So again, they need to find it out any, uh, you know, local buy stores, they can provide us the online medicines or do you know any persons who can, you know, contact us related to those medicines. So this was the additional barrier that we faced. And the third barrier was the most important thing is recreation. Once the patient is logged inside, they're not able to see the environment. They are very much stressed out. So this is something that I want to go to park. I want to have my gym. I have to have my yoga activities, but I'm not able to do it. So these are the things that we used to hear challenges from the patients and we were like that, what solutions we can provide to patients. So we used to give healthy talk to those patients or the caregivers. We used to chat with them. We used to try to convince them, uh, those patients or caregivers that what to do or what not to do. So these all things that we faced and did for the patients. For the listeners, in this survey, approximately 80% of the respondents who were spinal cord injury care providers reported that they work in an inpatient rehab facility. And yet since COVID, 60% are now providing care via telemedicine. So Dr. Longoni, do you want to comment on what this transition has been like, especially given your expertise from going from, you know, hands-on to now kind of quarterbacking care from a distance? Yes, I think that uh, actually the same thing happened in Latin America about what Nishu just said that, first of all, I think the psychological barrier was the first thing that actually we saw not only in, in physicians, but also in patients that actually I had patients calling me and saying, okay, what, how do you, uh, can I go out? Can I do the things that actually I, I, I did before? I don't want to go out because I have my also, I have my, my mom, my dad, if I go out if I, and I get COVID, uh, I, I get COVID and I have a spinal cord injury. And also I have my, my relatives that are old. Can, I, can they get COVID? Can they go out? So I think that was one of the, the main concerns for patients, actually, because it was like this uh, amazing fear, not only in physicians and also in patients. The other thing is uh, was that actually, in most of our Latin American countries, the, the structural barriers, the architectural barriers are uh, really important. Not enough people had their homes prepared for them. 
and they didn't have the devices to be to be able to be independent uh, at home. So uh, the other thing was that they, maybe they got the, the wheelchair got broken and they couldn't go to get it repaired. So the patients got to stay uh, in bed or regular chairs. And, and actually that was something that it was really hard because we had to try to send the wheelchair to a lab that could repair it. And the patient didn't have a chair, another chair at home. So this was something that we saw in a lot of patients that were uh, actually transitioned into home and they were actually not really ready, quote unquote, to, to be uh, at home because we, they were not really educated yet because they couldn't finish their rehab treatment and get that education to actually prevent all the complication that actually they could have at home. I think it's such an important point. Um, and we actually spoke a few episodes before, I think, about the isolation impact on people living with spinal cord injuries during the pandemic as well. And I feel like this kind of ties into what you guys are saying about this fear of, of this new healthcare, this way to receive healthcare in this kind of n- new normal of healthcare, if you will. How should patients look at navigating this new type of healthcare now that, you know, we're hoping that things are improving with the pandemic, how would you recommend that a person living with a spinal cord injury or their caregiver know, okay, this might be something that I can do via telehealth, but this I really should go in and see my provider about. I think actually the key of everything is education. Um, because uh, if you if we educate the patient and also we educate the, the, the family, actually they will know when they have to go to the to the professional or the healthcare provider. So what we do in the pandemic was actually try to give the support through telemedicine and actually do a lot of education and try to tell them what to what to do in certain situ in certain situations and when they have to like give the, giving them like alarm things that okay you assign like if you, if you have this you have to go to your physician. If not you can do this or that. So I think that is the, was the key for for actually all the all the um, all our patients and actually this is something that we we used to do with all of our spinal cord injury patients mainly in latin america because um there's not a lot of rehab doctors in latin america there are like 6000 for 20 countries that's very low there's in Argentina, for instance, we have uh, around 500 PMNR doctors. So that's very, very low. We have 44 million people. And not, not all of the PMNR doctors actually uh, treat spinal cord injury patients. So we think that if we can educate the patients, actually some patients even know a little bit more uh, um, of their of their spinal cord injury than even some doctors. So we think that it's very important to educate. And we started educating through telemedicine and started doing a lot of education through through this media, through uh, virtual media. And I think that was one of the things that we that helped the patient to be able to to see when they had to go to the doctors and what the things that they could do themselves at home. I think that's such a, a great point. And we, you know, in the last episode spoke about that as well. And people living with spinal cord injuries, and especially people that had just sustained a new injury, 
and establishing care with their primary care provider who may not have, you know, more than one or two or any people, patients that are living with spinal cord injuries. And so the patients become the experts in their own care, which is really at the end of the day, you know, an important part of it, them having the say and them being able to, you know, participate in their own care. But it's so interesting how the pandemic has brought that to light even more so just because access to care has been even more difficult during this time. Nisha, would you mind talking a little bit about your perspective as, a, as an occupational therapist? You know, people with new spinal cord injuries, uh, people that need follow-up thera- therapeutic care, and how the pandemic has impacted that. I think um, that is a very important question because being a therapist, we have faced challenges from both sides as a healthcare provider as well and as from the patients and the caregivers uh, point of view as well. So when the patient during the pandemic, it was really hard to convince patients that you have to be on board on telerehabilitation or the telemedicine sort of technology because uh, Though in India, we started in 2014, uh, the tele-rehabilitation services, but when it comes uh, to the pandemic, the patients already had a fear and it was really tough to convince the caregivers and patients that you will be connected to us. But connection is a different thing and providing a care through tele-rehabilitation is a different thing. So when it comes to therapy, because as an occupational therapist or uh, any physiotherapist, they have to touch the patient. Okay, so when the person is admitted during even the pandemic it was really even we also had a fear in my in in our mind that we have to touch the patient during the pandemic so whether it will be infectious for us or not but being a healthcare provider this is our duty and responsibility to provide that care to the patient and again convince those patients to you know shift on tele rehab so this was a one to one care that every therapist has to train their patient related to tele rehabilitation technology so we have to pre educate them once they get discharged then we always inform that because internet connectivity is an issue we cannot have a 4g or 5g at every place so we tell the patients that you just make the videos whatever you are doing because the all the activities of daily living that we used to uh, teach to the caregivers or the patients it was really not uh, possible to train uh, the patient in all the planned goals because during the pandemic we have to shift the patient immediately that you have to go back to home we have already uh, you know taught this thing to you now you have to practice the same at your home because there was a shortage of bed and resources so that was the one issue that we faced so once the patient get back to their home the home environment and the hospital environment is different very different so the, the that is a one challenge that we face because they do not have any any modify home or the uh, beds uh, nothing like that so they used to send the videos related to those challenges and again we have to be on the call tell them you know all the modifications or any uh, sort of alternatives that they can do with within those environment so uh, this is how we were you know doing such stuffs in the pandemic and from the therapist point of view we have a volunteers as well we used to make a videos related to their challenges for example if our patient forgot how to you know shift from bed to wheelchair or the patient is doing any uh, you know using any goofy technique so we you be used to make those video highlight that you know wrong technique 
and we incorporate that right technique in that video and highlight that changes so that the patient and caregiver can easily see that and again we do the proper weekly telephonic uh, conversation with the patient and even the whatsapp calling video with the patient so as an occupational therapist i must say that was really hard but when we have a team and when we are following a team approach it was very easy for us you know integrate all those challenges and you know connect with the patient so yes so the results of your survey showed that many of the healthcare professionals were saying that their patients were delaying certain medical procedures and maybe even the spaces where they were previously treated were repurposed so Nishu, you bring up this great point that telemedicine can replace that, but you have to come in to get screenings and checkups. There are certain things where you have to get the samples. So what would you say to the people with spinal cord injury listening right now about returning, coming back, how you're going to keep them safe because these screenings have to be done? I think it is a very great and valid uh, point that you have made, David, because uh, see, I'm a tele-rehab specialist. Being an occupational therapist, I do the tele-rehabilitation things to my patient. But I have, you know, adapted this profession in my profession. So I have expanded my services. I have not changed my, you know, replaced any uh, uh, profession to it. But when it comes to telling the patient, I will just say a strong message to all the SEI care providers or even the patients or the caregivers that we cannot replace the in-person services. In-person services is required. When when you touch the patient, the patient, fifty percent the patient heals. You know from internally. Uh, you you provide you give a spiritual care to the patient. You you give a proper uh, uh, you know therapy through touch because it it's a different thing that you feel as a you know caregiver provider that you have completed the patient or you have given the therapy in terms of uh, satisfaction. But in tele rehabilitation, that you are giving it, but sometimes there is a limitation related to assessment because all the assessment are subjective and objective. You cannot assess patients properly and whether in terms of you know demonstrating uh, different uh, uh, mat activities or the mobility activities that you want to talk to your patients so i think yes you have to come back learn the proper services whatever is required to you and then go back and stay connected with your therapist or the physician related to on telemedicine or the tele rehabilitation but do not replace in person therapy as much as possible Also, I would like to add that uh, sometimes we forget the other things that we have to screen in patients because we, we think that we only have to test patients or, or screen patients or treat patients uh, only the spinal cord injuries. And we forget about the aging and we forget about the heart diseases and we forget about the, the gynecologist. We forget about all the other things that <laughs> the health uh, problems that we can have through time. So um, one of the things that we were seeing uh, not only in spinal cord injury patients, but we have to keep in mind that also spinal cord injury patients have these kind of diseases that a lot of people with cancer, uh, hypertension, diabetes didn't get their proper treatment and didn't get the proper testing uh, during the pandemic and actually got delayed all these results. And sometimes we, we can get really late and we can have a lot of complications due to, to these, these issues, to, to not to, if we don't get there in time. So we can't forget that spinal cord injury patients get old, that we can't forget that they can have hypertension, we can forget that they can have cancer. So actually the patients have to go to the physicians to get 
their tests and screenings and screening like everybody else. So when looking at this delay in medical procedures and the repurposing of spaces, especially because most of the respondents to your survey were inpatient rehabilitation specialists, I just had this thought come across my head. What the heck happened to people who got their injuries during the pandemic? Can you talk about this a bit? I think that's like a big uh, hole, black hole, <laughs> that right there. Uh, actually, I can talk uh, from from experience, uh, anecdotic experience. Actually, we got fewer, I think, spinal cord injuries and brain is and TBIs, uh, for instance. Actually, related to trauma because people were not going out; they didn't have accidents, so they didn't have uh, injuries related to accidents. But we had all of these other causes of spinal cord injuries that actually happened. And we really don't know what happened with those patients. We know that they were in inpatient facilities, but actually their rehabilitations got delayed. But we don't, we don't actually know what happened after, after they got the spinal cord injuries during the pandemic. And if they got this, the spinal cord injuries, if they had to go home and, didn't, and weren't able to go to ambulatory rehabilitation, for instance, because in Latin America, I know that the survey, actually we survey a lot of people that treated patients inpatient, but there's a lot of uh, patients in Latin America, there's uh, a lot of patients that actually don't even get hospitalization for rehabilitation, and they only get ambulatory um, rehabilitation. So uh, what happened with those patients? Actually, they went home and didn't get any more uh, rehabilitation during that, that time. So actually, we, we don't even know. We know that this thing happened, but we, we don't have the information um, in Latin America. Nisha, would you like to comment on what happened in your experiences? I, I think from my experience, because I was uh, dealing that time in tele-rehabilitation. So we, we used to receive a calls from the caregivers related to the consultation on tele-rehabilitation, basically on the rehabilitation part. So when we used to ask them that uh, what sort of services you require, they, they are like the patient is bedridden uh, because we, we used to conduct one-to-one -one live session with the patient. So the, if I, if I tell to, if I need to brief a picture, it was like the patient is bedridden. One person is sitting near to the patient and they were just like they're not doing anything nothing not even using a brace uh, to the patient so uh, we, we we would like to ask like how many days you know it is happening with the patient what services you have taken have you consulted any uh, hospital before or any physician or any consultation the answer is no they're like that we are so afraid that we can't go out so this is our patient we just consulted one physician or the we just uh, went to the one local doctor near to our home basically to two or five kilometers the patient the doctor has advised this 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 thing now we are looking for the rehabilitation so from our side it was very difficult for us to as the patient because we are not sure whether the patient has received that golden care treatment or whether the patient can proceed towards the rehabilitation phase because we cannot provide you know that guidance so that was the one limitation we usually 
space during that pandemic. So we used to connect then those patients with the concerned physician. And then if it is required, we tell the patient, if you can come to the hospital and go to the nearby hospital related to your spine facility and then come back to us, then we can only guide the rehabilitation thing. So this was a sort of experience that uh, we faced. And the second thing was basically related to rehabilitation only. We received a lot of calls, like five to six calls in a day related to rehabilitation. Uh, that was related to spinal cord injury because they were not going out. So they would, and though all those were the first consultations. So they have not been to any or uh, traditional care before. They were pretty new to the traditional care. So we were faced challenges related to, are you aware how to make patient turn in a bed? So caregivers were like, we are so afraid we can't touch the patients, how to turn the patient. So that was a sort of thing that we faced. What a an unmet need that your research has identified. So many questions here that remain to be asked um, or answered, sorry. Um, one thing both the 2020 and the 2021 paper showed, however, is that what we can do right now is educate. And so when it comes to someone with a spinal cord injury and they want to direct one of their care providers to SCI-specific content about COVID-19, where can they direct their care providers? That's a hard question. <laughs> actually, well, in Spanish, we don't have that many written things for, for actually patients or healthcare providers. I mean, the ones that are assisting the patients. We have some things for professionals uh, in, in Spanish and they're available. You can download it for free. And we have some information on how to, to treat these patients. And we have some exercises that they, they can do at home. But actually, we don't have like some official links for caregivers. We, we can give the information to professionals. But we don't have in Spanish that many information that we can give the caregivers. So actually, the education that we do is through this media, through uh, virtually, or we educate it nowadays. We can give them into in the facilities. That's the thing that we do. We we actually don't have that many things written for the caregivers. Nishu, do you know of any educational content that you would direct? SCI caregivers or providers to? Uh, yes. Uh, so as, as I brief about our facility in India, we, uh, as I told you that we have a proper tele-rehabilitation department. Uh, so we provide educational calls or videos to the patients. We arrange a proper educational class in person as well and the virtual as well. So it is a like of uh, group that we made for the patients. For example, we have a high cervical injury group patients at one place and, you know, uh, telling them all the respiratory issues. Then again, we have a paraplegic patients at one group and we just tell them how to, you know, remain active and use the gym-based activities and all. So uh, then we do a proper one-to-one -one education uh, to the patients. So we have a nurse, so we provide a class on that, how to be, you know, properly hygiene and uh, properly bed sore care. So this is uh, educational content, but yes, it is a customized content because we conduct a weekly follow-up call, mandatory call to all the patients. One of the great things I found from reading your research was these differences in care 
or I should say unexpected, and this is coming from me, an American, differences in care um, across countries. And it sounds an issue like you guys have an awesome system set up to provide these services. But maybe, Melly, like you were saying, there's not a centralized resource that you can direct the care providers to. And it's more of a networked resource. And at least in my experience, it's been like this. The person with SCI or their care provider will be looking and looking and looking, and they finally find that right person. And it's like a portal and they're entered into the network. So I would just say, you know, keep, keep searching and use the internet and you'll find that person. Okay. Uh, one last question here. If you were to have someone with a spinal cord injury come across this paper, how do you hope they would use the results of the study? And this one's tricky given that the audience uh, or the topic of study here was care providers, but try and go with that. Well, I think that actually um, a person that can read this, this survey actually has a lot of more information since then that, that the one that we gave in the, in the paper. So I think that actually it raises a lot of concerns on how we are working in our countries and actually all the experiences. I really don't know how it could actually help a person with spinal cord injury, this survey, uh, but it can give them the information on how uh, we as physicians are working and what we faced and what we lived and what we did or, or what we tried to do to give them a better quality of life in these uh, moments of pandemic. I think that's like more like, like a reflection or something like that, that you can do after you, you read that paper. Both sides have a lived experience. Nishu, anything you want to add? I think as Melly said, it is the right thing that a caregiver, I think they can read that how my doctor is using this telemedicine te technology as a new normal uh, to us. And they can inquire related to the same with their concerned uh, physician or the therapist. And accordingly, they get, guide themselves that uh, how can I be, you know, uh, be normal in this new normal. So I think this is the most important phase that the person can use in their treatment care and they can also aware the about the same with, with to their concerned doctor so i think the telemedicine is the most important part that a caregiver can use in this care and they can aware their doctors as well well this was a great conversation both uh, marla actually had to leave to see a patient which is very appropriate and so thank you both so much for coming to this sixth and seventh episode of the Spinal Cord Injury Perspectives podcast. Thank you so much for this invitation. Thanks for listening to this episode of the first season of SCI Science Perspectives, brought to you by the American Spinal Injury Association. The paper discussed in this episode was chosen based on the recommendations of Asia's America's Committee. The podcast is made possible by the leadership of Dr. Suzanne Gro, your producers and hosts, David McMillan and Marla Pitriello, our editor, Abby Fox, and Asia's front office. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, contact us at sciperspectivespodcast at gmail.com.